0: Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. All right. How are you all today? Psalm 127, verse one, we started with last week, and I'd like to sort of continue on in the vein of that, which is, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I want to I want to challenge us as a church that uh, is is that strategy for life and strategy for church and that is is important. But unless the Lord builds us, unless we're established in Him. Unless He protects us, that everything else is in vain. And uh, and I, w- I want to encourage you that as we gather in a community of believers, that um, the Lord is amongst us, and He wants us to hear from Him. So this morning, you know, I think that y- you know we we've got a long way to go in discussing those core reasons why we commit to a church community. Because we, you know, there's a lot of talk about join in, volunteer, do this, be part of that. But, uh, you know, it's, there's, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why community is important, but, um, but the effort that goes into it is quite, is quite difficult. The things that require you to participate in a community sometimes are quite taxing on you. Yeah, let me tell you this. Being part of a community is worth more than it costs. And it will have no doubt that it will cost you to be part of a community. It'll it'll cost you to participate in a community. It'll cost you to build relationships with people that you disagree with. It'll it'll, 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 it'll cost you, but let me tell you, it'll be worth it because when you've walked through a season with someone, at the other end of that season there's a connection that you you can lean on. There's There's a strength in it that you can lean on. There's a, there's a hope when you've walked through a tough season with someone or with the community. And, you know, this morning I want to talk to, to you a little bit about listening to God in community. Because a lot of us are listening to, we're listening to podcasts and preachers and we're listening to, you know, prophetic words and we're reading the Bible. And I want to, I want to suggest to you this morning that God wants to speak to us in community. Some of us would get it, we, you know, we, we display the direction of the Holy Spirit without displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Say, I feel like the Lord wants me to do this and we go in that direction, yet at the same time, we're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You know, in Rome, there's a, a little piazza called the piazza of pasquino and pasquino is a little statue there i've got a picture of him up there and uh back in the in the in the 14th and 15th century uh it was there there wasn't they didn't have this thing that we call freedom of speech and uh so you if you said something that uh that the, that the church or the government didn't agree with you know um uh, it was off with their heads or whatever whatever the punishment was back then But there was this one little piazza in Rome where this statue of Pasquino was. And if you see underneath the statue, there's all these pieces of paper stuck to it and people are still doing it. And that, and there was, it was almost like there was this amnesty around this statue that you could, you could share your thoughts or your disagreement with the government or with the church and you could, you could post it on this thing and it was like this safe place that you could come together and, and share anything and you wouldn't be in trouble for it. And uh, kind of like our elephant room, you know, you can sort of share anything you want but um, but and in a safe place. And and I think the reason I bring that up is because sometimes, um, you know, we want to say things but we don't feel like we can say them. We want to ask questions but we don't feel like we're allowed to ask those questions. And that's why, our, you know, our, our elephant room topics this year are full of questions that people... Uh, uh, are too afraid to ask out loud, but they want to know the answers to. And I, and I think we've got to get comfortable discussing things we've never discussed before. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you that if we're prepared to go there, if we're prepared to dig deep into God's word, if we're prepared to allow his Holy Spirit to lead us so the fruit of his Spirit is is present in us, we can do many things. It's costly, though. Because the the the, the cost of community is going beyond the superficial. You know, I, I can talk to many of you about about football, about sport, about building houses, about cars, about politics, about all these things, but there's something deeper that God wants to call us to. He wants us to call us, He wants to call us to a relationship beyond our politics. He wants us to call us to a relationship beyond our team. You know, there's a couple of us here at Barrack for different football teams. It's very difficult for us to watch the game when we're playing each other because our love for each other evaporates, you know, for those, that little few hour period. And here's, and this is what happens when there's disagreement in the church about different things. There's disagreement in the community is for those moments of disagreement we can, we become polarized and distance ourselves from. And then forever that becomes a no-go zone. And I believe God's calling us to go deeper and have our foundations attached to something beyond the superficial, beyond what a church service looks like. I keep saying things like, don't join a service, join a community. And that's that's a nice dreamy sort of statement, but the reality the reality of it is a little bit more painful. Com- now, services are simple. You come along, you either like it or you didn't like it, you got something out of it or you didn't, but relationships are harder because they require maintenance. Actually, when you ask someone how you're going, you've actually got to literally mean how you're going. You know, when most of the time when I'm asking you how, how you're going, I don't really want to know. I just, that's just how we greet each other in Australia. If I'm, you know, how's it going? Pat you on the back, keep walking. Don't even wait for the response. Because that's, you know, that's how we say hi in Australia. It's a weird thing, isn't it? But God's calling us to a deeper thing. Calling, he's calling us into back into community, and he wants us to hear him in it. Listening to God is actually the core of any strong community. And what's the key to listening to God? Well, here it is, found in this scripture. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is the answer to communion. In fact, it's the answer to many things. If you're you're anxious about the state of the world, then this is the scripture for you. If we all knew what it was to hunger and thirst after righteousness, there would be no danger in the world. There would be no war. If we were hungering and thirsting after righteousness, his will would be done. And our will wouldn't. My will leads to arguments with you. My will leads to, to eventually if I allow my allow my selfishness to take take it away, it leads to war, it leads to battles, it leads to leads to things, doesn't it? But he, here is the only real way to peace. I want to challenge you this morning that we often waste our time in in you know in expressing our thoughts and sentiments instead of listening to what God has said you know we've got one of our topics coming up in the in the sun and night conversations is around do we read the word of god literally it's a very good it's a very good conversation because the word says some crazy stuff doesn't it that we that we cannot get our head around do we read it literally well i th- i don't know if we read it literally but literally read the word see this gospel that seems so distant and indirect, it's actually the fastest and most efficient way to solving every problem on the planet. It seems indirect. Someone comes along to me and they say, I'm struggling with my relationship or I'm struggling with my business. I go, man, you just need to read the word of God and pray and worship. What have they got to do with my business or my relationship? Everything. Everything. Those great beatitudes that Jesus shared in that Sermon on the Mount, it's, uh, you know, they start with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then it shifts away from us and onto him. And it goes to that great verse, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want to suggest to you that this verse is one of the most foundational structures in your life. For every seeking person, for everyone, for everyone who wants a deeper relationship with God, if you're unhappy with your spiritual state, if you want to if you want to if you want to have a deeper connection to the living God, then this is a foundational verse for you. In fact, this verse emphasizes that salvation is by grace more than the majority of scriptures in the Bible. It doesn't say, "Happy, happy or blessed are those who are righteous. It says, happy or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's not saying if once you're perfect, you shall be happy and filled. It's saying if you're hungry and thirsty. Jesus, see, he's inviting us onto a journey, but we're always looking for a destination. Uh, you notice that? We're always looking to try to, to, to get happy, or we're trying to get filled, or we're trying to get rich, or we're trying to get into a marriage, and God's saying, just come on the journey. Get on the path. Get into a relationship, and it's in the relationship that, these, that, that, that the reality and the joy and the, and the happiness comes. But can you can get to a destination. But then once you're there, then what do you do? You because happiness is a momentary thing. But in a relationship, it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? You have good days and you have bad days. Yet there's a general, there's a general journey that you're on that has these great moments. And when you look back at your at your trip, you know, when you go on holiday summer, when you go on a trip around the world or do something, when you look back at that trip, you know, what do you see? You see happiness. Even in the challenging things, you see the adventure of them. You see some. Cra- I've got some stories that that around, around our travel that are that are hilarious now. But at the time, they bring joy and happiness to us. Now, but at the time, they were quite tumultuous. I was reading in the Australian yesterday that that uh, Australia's richest man, Anthony Pratt, who builds cardboard boxes. Now, if you build cardboard boxes, you too can be worth $14 billion. And he said this, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a yacht big enough to pull up right alongside it. (laughs) I think he was actually quoting an old 80s rocker, David Lee Roth, when he said that. But uh, it's a great statement, isn't it? You see, happiness actually results from seeking something else other than happiness. Now, in my office, someone gave me a, a beautiful um, copy of the, the uh, Declaration of Independence of the USA, and, uh, and in there it talks about the pursuit of happiness. And when Jesus talks about happy are those or blessed are those, he doesn't, he doesn't talk about the pursuit of happiness. He talks about the pursuit of righteousness. And those who pursue or are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, they are happy. And they're also filled. I think a lot of times we get caught trying to pursue happiness instead of pursuing relationship. And when we put happiness before righteousness, we become like that dog who's chasing his tail. There it is. We're singing "I am salty" instead of instead of "He exalts us." Or I don't even remember. I exalt exalt thee instead of "I am salty." Edit. See, seeking happiness alone is—it's like treating pain without treating the symptoms. I mean, without treating the sickness or the cause. A lot of times we get—you know—we get caught looking at how we're feeling in the moment, but not realizing the deeper things. That's why—that's why when someone says, um, "You know, are you praying?" That's when someone says, "Are you reading scriptures?" When someone says, "Are you worshiping?" They seem those three things seem so distant from what you're feeling and what your problem is today that you cannot put the two together. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness seems so distant from happiness that it's very difficult to put together. And this is the essence of faith. Faith requires us to trust God enough that we will pursue what He asks us to pursue. And trust him that we will be blessed and that we will be happy and that we will be filled. It requires faith, but I don't know about you. I just want to know exactly how it's going to work out. I've sworn, Kristen, to never give me a surprise party ever in my life. I hate surprises. And Jesus is saying, Put your trust in me and then surprise, you're going to be happy and blessed. It's no surprise because we've we put our faith and trust in it, but it, 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 it it's very difficult in the process for us to see the link between what the scriptures say and what God says. So we ask questions like, do we read the Bible literally? We ask questions about, is this scripture for today? Was that for that time? You know what I mean? Was that a cultural thing or is that something for all times? And these are difficult questions. He's challenging us challenging us not to look for the event, not to look for for the experience, but to look for the relationship. So what is this righteousness we're so hungry and thirsty for? It's simply this. Righteousness is the desire to be free from sin in all its forms and symptoms. See, we get, you know, we 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 have the, the broader view of, of righteousness being justification of our sins and that all and the theology behind it, but the, real, the, the, the the simple explanation is righteousness is being free from sin. Here's the thing righteousness is it's an, it's not simply not sinning. It's not simply behaving yourself is not righteousness. Righteousness is actually being free from it. It's very different. You can be you can lock yourself in a room and and, and not be and, and be completely behaving yourself. But it doesn't mean you're righteous. You're not free from it. You've just put yourself in an environment where it's very difficult to do it. Just because you go to boot camp doesn't mean you're a motivated exerciser. Does it? God wants us to be free from the burden of it. He wants us to be free from it. Why is that? Because sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. So in essence, what we're saying here is that hungering, thirsting after righteousness is simply desiring to be right with God. Desiring to be right with God. See, all the trouble in the world is it's due to the fact that man's not right with God. It's so simple. It's extremely difficult. You know, the early church was known, they weren't known as Christians. They, you, know, you notice one of those questions, are there? Is it, is it um, possible to be saved and not a Christian? And sometimes the word Christian gets a bit of a bad name banded around the world, but, but uh, so someone wants to be saved but doesn't want to be you know, thrown into the basket with the rest of us crazy Christians. Well, the people the, orig- the original church were they, were they weren't called Christians, they were called the people of the way. And they hungered and thirsted after righteousness to the point where they were oppressed by Rome. They were oppressed and, they, and, and to the point where many of them were martyred for their faith. And then something happened. A few hundred years into the church, Rome turned from being the persecutor of the church to being the protector of the church. From being the persecutor of the church to being the protector of the church. The church and the world became one flesh that day. The church and the world connected. And faith became secular. And we've been battling with it ever since. Can you imagine, though, after... A few hundred years of persecution of your family being martyred and you're fighting to get the gospel out there, all of a sudden the government says, you know what, we give in. We want to have your faith as well. The church, the the, the early church would have thought that was the revival to end all revivals. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if if all of a sudden the 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 Australian government said, you know what, we are now a Christian nation. We will serve the Lord. Everyone in this nation is now a Christian. You know, we would, we would, you know, we we would be encouraged by such a thing. But the reality, in hindsight, when we look back at that moment, that was one of the most challenging, destructive moments for the church's history, because it was the day that the church became powerful in the natural. But we love it, don't we? Do you know why many of the Jews rejected Jesus when he came? They rejected Jesus when he came because he wasn't powerful enough in the way they thought he should be. He didn't come and take out Rome. He didn't come and, and liberate the nation of Israel the way they thought he should. He actually did do those things. He took away the power, you know, he took about away the power of sin and death and gave the whole world grace and freedom and righteousness. And he gave us through repentance the opportunity to have eternal life with him. But They didn't see that because in the natural they wanted Jesus to come, they wanted the Messiah to come and to take Rome out and to set them free. As soon as the church became powerful in the natural, it began to lose its strength in the spiritual. Very interesting, isn't it? When we look at the organized church of today, when we, you know, as we become, as you notice churches, when they're small, there's this organic nature to it and there's this, there's this beautiful ebb and flow and we can share the microphone around and we can, we can encourage each other. And if church service stopped halfway through and something happened, it'd be fine and everyone would get along. We go and have, but as churches grow and as they get more organized, as they, they tend to, they tend to lose that edge that they have in community. It's one of the most difficult places that we find ourselves in organized church. We need to fight against the church. We need to fight against the, the becoming, becoming powerful in the natural and allowing it, us to lose our strength in the spiritual. But can you imagine how tired the Christians would have been? Hiding and dying, and you know, and and then God made this way for the church to go public the IPO of the church. They no longer needed tight knit communities to challenge and encourage each other in their faith and in their prayer and to worship and to stay the course, they no longer needed that because it was the general course of society. Sometimes the thing that we are fighting for hardest is actually the thing that can hold us back in the long run. Don't get me wrong, I would love to see our nation a Christian nation. I would love to see, you know, I would love to see our prime minister stand up and and declare the word of scripture from the pulpit of the highest office of the land. It would be an amazing day. But we must make sure that we're not looking, you know, so many of us are are adamant that we're free from the law of the Old Testament. We're free in Christ, yet we now want the law of our land to reflect what we believe is righteous behavior for people. We want to be free ourselves in our faith so that we can have any type of faith we want, but when it comes to the nation that we live in, we want the laws of the land to respect our religion. It's a crazy tension to live in, isn't it, church? We shifted from the communion of saints to a bunch of individual saints who take communion together once in a while. In Ephesians three, fourteen to twenty-one, Paul prays that amazing prayer, and in it he says this: He says he he, he prays that that the readers, those who who are reading this letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian church, might know the dimensions of God's reality, the length, the breadth, the width, the depth. Where, though? With all the saints. His prayer is not that you will discover God alone. His prayer is that you will discover God in community. His prayer is not you would not just hear God on your own in your prayer closet. His, his His prayer is that you will hear God in community with all the saints. He wants us to hear together because when we hear together, not only do we see the direction of God, but we also get to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit at the same time. John Calvin said it, it said it well when he, he he spoke about doctrine. He talked about doctrine not merely being uh, uh, for us to understand as as individuals, but he talked about it from the perspective of of doctrine is only learned when it resides in the heart, passes into our conduct, transforming us into itself in the process. See, we only know that God's word has transformed us when it's displayed in our conduct in community and throughout history even in the even in the scriptures in the old testament we read about the remnant of Israel there's always a remnant of people and in that dark time back in in the early church when when uh, when when Rome was in charge there was a remnant of believers who stayed the course men and women of faith They turned aside from shoring up the new organised church. They shifted from shoring up the organised church that was now led by Rome. And what they set themselves instead to do was form different types of communities within which they could hunger and thirst after righteousness. They weren't looking to now take over the world with the gospel. They were looking to humble themselves before the almighty God and have relationship with him. And with each other. Isn't it interesting this the way that Jesus came was not to was not to come and sit on the highest throne and to declare who he was to the world, it was to humble himself and to make himself of no reputation and to allow the gospel to leak through lives that were committed to him. And that, that remnant of people back in those, those early days of the church, they kept the faith. They, it survived through the dark ages, through those middle ages. I want to suggest to you that this verse, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, is our guide for today. The same as it was for, those, for that remnant of the church back in Rome, it's our guide for today. And I know Jesus, I mean, Paul says in Ephesians 5, he talks, he's speaking to husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives. Then he, and he, and this, is why, this is the comparison he makes. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back for for us, for his bride. He's coming back for a bride without blemish. And I want to encourage, church, for us to be part of a remnant of believers who hunger and thirst after his righteousness that we draw our joy, our happiness from, from what he's doing in our lives, not the strategy that we have. You know, if it was possible for the people to walk through the dark ages in their faith, I think there's hope for us still today. But this time the battle's different though. It's not the barbarians coming over. It's not the, it's not the Roman Empire who's dominating us. The battle's within us this time the battle is my fight to be an individual it's my own fierce independence that is my greatest battle and we get caught because our our lack of consciousness in this area creates a predicament we we don't realize how independent we are Because we come to communities and we look for people who are like us. So we get to be independent. It's like the kid who, who becomes, who gets rebellious and becomes an emo and then joins the emos and then looks exactly the same as all those guys. We look, we want independence from the world, but we want a bunch of people who are also the same as us. So sometimes we gather in our independence. God wants us to understand. There's a new stretch, church. There's a new stretch in us that that allows us to be to interact and to do life with people we completely disagree with and are polarized in our opinions because we go deeper. We go. We go, we have a deeper connection. We're not connected on our politics. We're not connected on our on our on our bank accounts. We're not connected on you know on our lifestyle choices. We're connected because we choose to serve the King of all kings. So the process for us, church, is we need a new form of community. I keep banging on about community, but I, it's, it's, it, can be, it can be a rhetoric. It can be an empty campaign promise that I'll be shouting for the rest of my life unless we embrace it, church. Where we say we, will be, we want to be filled and we want to be blessed Out of our hunger and thirst for connection to God. Not by our buildings, not by our capacity, not by what, not by even how much good we're doing for for those who need help in our community. We want to be filled because we hunger for connection to God through His righteousness. We live in a deep, deep, independent culture. And a deeply and independent cultures become competitive cultures. So even in our friendships, there's, comp- there's competition in our friendships. Not all this stuff's bad, but we need a core that's, that's deeper than these things. These things cannot define us. And it begins with this revelation of self. And I want to encourage you, church, this is what we must do. We must participate in environments that remind us of the lack in our lives that remind us or highlight to us our true selves. I said this a few weeks ago. A person is humble when they stand in the truth with a knowledge and appreciation of themselves as they really are. My biggest battle is how good I think I am. It's the same with all of us. So we need to make sure we're constantly stepping into environments. And when I say how good I think I am, as in how what I believe is... is actually sharper than what you believe. And you do it. Some of you disagree with many people. You go, no, no, I think what I believe is actually what God's calling us to do. In fact, what we all need is we need to get a glimpse of our true selves. And when we get a glimpse of our true selves, guess what? Boom, humility appears instantly. My vision for the gatherings of us, the church, is that we would be drawn together out of our hunger and thirst. Out of our hunger and thirst for a connection to God. What happens after a while in church is you make a bunch of friends you start. You have great barbecues. You connect, and you you know you you get involved, and you serve, and and you know it's nice when something grows. It's even good too. So you like it when things grow, and, and it actually we end up becoming part of the the organisation instead of part of the community. Now organisations aren't going anywhere. There's a bunch of churches, church members around the world who 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 hate the organised church, so they have home churches everywhere. That's fine, but the, you know the 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 organisation is not leaving. What we do need to know, though, is that we don't allow it to own us. We participate and serve one another in the community. It's a very different picture. And the reason that we do that, the reason that we come together is because we've got a hunger and thirst to know God and to connect with him. Problem is, our hunger and thirst, we need to retrain the old taste buds, don't we? Some of us are still addicted to McDonald's. Some of us are still addicted to to you know different types of food other than Italian. We all need to come back. Stop eating those Japanese rolls that all you guys are now into. I don't understand it. Seaweed and rice. What's who drinks who eats that stuff? This is what's wrong with the church. Spaghetti, tiramisu unity exactly we need to retrain our taste buds church our hunger and thirst for righteousness is, is is actually requires retraining we don't just get accept christ as our savior and all of a sudden our taste buds change we need to retrain them we need to commit ourselves we need to create habits of prayer and contemplation of his word we need to go beyond avoiding overindulging of the senses, we need to to look for deeper values in life. We need to have public stances, but we need to be non-judgmental in those stances. We need to be hospitable, not just to the people that we like, but the people who are in front of us. We need to get good at sharing of our resources. if, If you go to a... A, um, a monastery anywhere in in the world, in the in every book, in the library, in the front of each book, it's got it's got a Latin term. I think it's ad, ad as us or something like that. It means for the use of all. God's given us everything to use and enjoy, but to never own us, to never take possession of our heart. God wants us to have a dignity of work. He wants us to have whatever we're doing, whether we're vacuuming, whether we're whether we're preaching, whether we are cleaning our house, whether whatever you are doing. He wants us to have a dignity in it. He wants us to to, to give our best to it because it's, it's the approach that we take to our service of one another that highlights the love of God that's in us. You can love someone by making them a coffee. We're not a, there's not a scale of work that we need to aspire to so that, we can, so that we can finally get to a place of dignity of work. Dignity is an attitude, not a job description. And we need to have a reverence for all creation. I don't want to be part of the church that, is, that, is, that isn't the greatest respecter of the creator. And if we respect the creator, we respect what he created. There's arguments about, you know, many things when it comes to creation about renewables and oil and this and that and all these sort of things. But we need to we need to have a view of life that is what is God's intention when He created this magnificent planet for us to live on. He had a plan. And he wants us to have a reverence for that plan. See the desperate need today, not for greater number of intelligent Highly qualified people with high positions in life. But it's for a deeper people. Not a people who have deep understanding, but a people who go deeper, who go beneath the status quo, who go beneath the the conversation that is superficial and go to the core of these things, go to the heart of the matter. Community balances life, church. In fact, it's where we hear God most accurately. Because it puts possessions and relationships in their proper perspective. Because the only way we can survive it is to go beyond them. We must go beyond the the consumption of life to get to the relationships in life. To be able to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbour as ourselves means we must go beyond everything else and allow those things to be central in our life. So today when you leave the church, we can close the book on the gospel and we can get on with the real life where there's deadlines and school to put kids through and things that, you know, the real challenges come. But I want to encourage you that right here at at the foot of the cross, this is actually the center of the world. The center of your world and my world is the foot of the cross where we connect with God. Jesus said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I don't know about you, but most of the time I don't know what I'm doing because I'm seeking to build something, to, to, to formulate a strategy or to head in a direction. And all these things are fine, but they, they, if, as, while they're central in my life, I'm not hungering and thirsting first after him. So I give you this challenge today to embrace. Blessed or happy are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed life doesn't consist of, of God fulfilling our, our earthly desires, our earthly needs. It actually comes, we're blessed when our desires shift to seeking God and loving our neighbor. And that's what listening to God in community looks like. Why don't you stand with me this morning, Church? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Receive the challenge today, Church, to go deeper in your relationships with each other and with him. And create the link. Don't worry about how God's going to do it. But create the link between hungering and thirsting after righteousness, after connection to God, after being free from sin and the consequences of it. Allow that link to being blessed and happy. And filled. Allow that link to exist in your heart. Don't worry if it doesn't exist in your understanding. That's why God's called us to be people of faith. He wants us to trust in him and to hunger and thirst and to retrain our senses and our taste buds in the direction of, of his will and his ways. And know this, that if we do, a few things will happen. We will be filled. We will be blessed and happy. And the world will look at us like Isaiah declared, and say people will go up to the mountain of the Lord's house and they'll say, teach us his ways because we want that peace you've got. We want to be filled like you are. We want to be happy like you are. We want to be whole like you are. This morning, church, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just lift up your mighty name. Lord, we, we, when we drift, Lord, when we get so organised, we, we, we organise you out of our lives, Father, We're, we become repentant before you now. We want to have a deep connection to you. Lord, we want to go beyond our strategy, beyond our organisation. We want to go beyond, Lord, the, peri- the peripheral and the superficial and we want to go deep with you. Give us a picture of ourselves, Lord, of our own hearts so that we can build a new connection to you and to each other because we want to be that spotless bride, Lord, that you come back for. And we ask these things, Father, Lord, and your continued blessing on our lives so that we can be a blessing. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.